2011, I stabbed a homeless man for peeing on me in a McDonald's bathroom. <clears throat> Let me back up. Do you guys like uh, Filipino food? I used to be married to a Filipino person. And uh, so if that is something that's happening in your life, you're going to eat a lot of Filipino food, as I used to do. And one thing about Filipino food is it's super uh, oily. They use a lot of oil. Especially, you know, like for me, like my favorite dishes were like dinaguan and things like that. So it, it's very oily. And uh, one day I was over at uh, her parents' house. And we're eating. And uh, thankfully, this was one of the times where I was able to take my own car or drive myself and not have to be a chauffeur also. Um, anyway, so we eat and we leave. And like from the from their house to the freeway, it, it was maybe 10 minutes. And about halfway through, I had the feeling. You know what it is? You know what I mean? The feeling. Something was about to happen. And it was all happening to me and I couldn't stop it. So I just, I, I had to pull over immediately. And the, uh, the closest thing was this McDonald's. And it's kind of in the hood. So I pull in, I walk straight into the restroom, I get into a stall, and uh, it starts happening. And it's rough. Um, it, yeah. And as I'm sitting there contemplating the choices I've made in my life, the door opens. So it's always like, oh no. Because it's a small restroom, right? It's not like a huge, we have a lot of room. It's, you know, there's a stall. And in this one, there was a stall next to it. And then the sink. I don't even think there was a urinal. Even that word is gross. Urinal. So I'm sitting there. My life is fading away. And uh, I feel, oh no, I hear a crazy person yelling. <laughs> and I'm like, oh shit. And then like, I can't get up. I want to, but I can't. There's nothing I can do. I'm trapped in this door. And I'm hearing this like banging and throwing things around. And it's, you know, a few feet from me. And uh, so I take my knife out and I'm sitting there, <laughs> pants around my ankles, my life flashing before my eyes as it comes out of my butt with my knife in hand. And, you know, I'm right there at the door so I can see the door to my stall is right in front of me. So I'm thinking like, okay, if this thing gets kicked in, I'm stabbing this motherfucker in, in the knee you know, right above the, the knee, and that'll be my first move, and I'm going to check him and go up top, and every part of my body's like, okay, get ready, while I'm shitting, I didn't, it's never stopped, you know, that, that didn't go on, wanted out, it was coming out, uh, and then, so I'm a little scared already, like, you know, I'm very vulnerable at this point. And then 
Something wet hits my head. Did you hear me? I am in a bathroom stall, pooping. I think I'm going to have to stab a crazy homeless person. And then something wet hits my head. Look, I've been in a lot of situations. I've, uh, I've been in a lot of situations. And some were very, very life-threatening. This was as scary as those. I immediately think I have AIDS. I have AIDS. I have just been given AIDS. I don't know if it's pee or cum. And I look up and there's nothing there. And then I hear that this crazy man is splashing water from the sink. So that's what hit me. He did not pee on me. He certainly did not ejaculate on me while I was pooping. But I am fucking, because I don't know, it takes a second. So I wipe and I'm like, oh God, oh God, I, got to, I have to smell it. I have to smell it. <laughs> no smell. It's just water. And he's splashing and he's making a mess and I'm seeing the water pool on the floor. And uh, I finish. I compose myself. I kept my knife behind my back just in case. And I open the door and he's there and he's looking at me like, 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 like he knows he did something bad. But now he's just realizing it. And I was able to walk out and go home. But so horrifying for a moment. I have AIDS. This is what happened. This the homeless man just gave me AIDS. And I'm going to have to stab him in the face like a zombie. It was so scary and ridiculous. I've never been back. I mean, I don't really go. To, I don't go to McDonald's anyway. But I've certainly never been back to that McDonald's. And anytime I have to pass it, there's like a chill. And I shudder. <laughs> like that. What I, I can't imagine what that guy was doing prior to coming into the McDonald's. Was he like sitting on the bench outside and like, ah, it's only five. You gotta wait till 7.15. And I'm gonna go in there and splash some water around. <laughs> like that's his thing. Like, man, there's nothing I love more than waking up on the sidewalk and then going into McDonald's and splash some water around in the bathroom. <laughs> Welcome to Porb. Thanks for listening. If you are listening on iTunes, um, like and or subscribe and rate and review. That does help me out. Just give a rating of five stars. Boom. Super, super easy. Click. And if you want to give a review, do that too. Hey, this guy's amazing. He told this awesome story about uh, getting AIDS at McDonald's. And if you're watching on YouTube, uh, I apologize. The last two videos haven't come out. Uh, I had some problem with my recording app. I record these on my phone. And just because I'm honestly, I'm just too lazy to get the cameras out. Um, so I recorded on my phone. But uh, Filmic Pro is this app I use. And it's fucking up. You guys are fucking up, Filmic Pro. Um, so it, the videos were not just out of sync uh, with the audio, which I, I sync up to this recorded audio, but um, like the it kept the speed of the video kept 
or keeps changing or there'd be frames missing. So like every few seconds I was trying to like adjust the video. It was a nightmare. I'm still not giving up on it. I'm still going to try, but I'm using a different app so that hopefully it will work. Um, so if you're watching on YouTube, you know, click that subscribe button, uh, like, you know, throw some comments in there. Have you ever been peed on in a bathroom or anywhere else? I don't know. Let's talk about it. Uh, and if, um, give me a follow on Twitter at Graham Baker, Instagram at Instagram Baker. Uh, my music is at Greyhouse Music on uh, Instagram as well. And, uh, you know, while you're there, go and uh, pre-order my record. Again, Violently Sleeping by Greyhouse on iTunes, um, Bandcamp as well. There'll be links in the description. And uh, it's supposed to be on Amazon Music and Google Play, like the stores. I'm not doing uh, streaming right now. Maybe eventually I will, but for right now I'm not. And you know why? It's because they give you literally a fraction of a penny, like not even a whole penny per stream. And I'm not a touring musician right now, so it's like that's how musicians make money is from touring and playing shows and like next to nothing off of music sales, record sales and stuff. Um, and, you know, also making money from merch. But it's like nobody really knows about Grey House yet, so I'm trying to get the word out. So it, it you know, I, I have bills to pay too, sons of bitches. And, and even as, aside from that, all people should be paid for their stuff. If you're making art, there's a really weird thing where people think it should just be free or it's, I, I don't know. So musicians should be paid. Even that, uh, that Taylor Swift lady, she had that song. It was a big song. What was it called? Shake, shake it, shake it off, shake it up, whatever it is. Um, it's like one of the most streamed songs ever, you know, like generated, I don't know, billions of dollars for Spotify and these other streaming. And she made like a couple hundred thousand off of it, which is not like that's no money, but comparatively to the people who didn't make, you know, and it's like for her, she's got to share that with her record label, all the people who actually wrote the song that weren't her, the musicians, you know what I mean? Like it, that piece is split a lot. So for me, I don't have a label or anyone else to pay. I do everything myself because I'm shit. But still, you know, if I get, let's say I'll be very generous and say I have 10,000 streams. I mean, what am I going to, you know, a couple hundred dollars? It's not, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, it's not fair to artists. You know, Spotify and these other companies, Apple Music, Tidal, Apple Music and Tidal certainly give more, but it's still not much. Um, they create this infrastructure. They deserve to be paid without a doubt. And, you know, they're exposing your music to more people than, but then just make it equal or, you know, 60, 40 to the artist. It, it doesn't make any sense. But anyway, <laughs> I'm a terrible salesman. I'm a record. It's great. And, uh, you know, I'm already working on more music. That's how dedicated I am. I'm already making more music. I'm like 75% done with an EP. And it's awesome. I really like it. So do all that stuff. And if you do enjoy listening to the podcast, tell somebody. Don't keep it to yourself. Don't be greedy. That's rude. Oh, 
I went, uh, I had dinner with a friend of mine last night, old friend, we've been friends since high school, and uh, she doesn't live in LA anymore. She's out of state, has this beautiful family, and she, she was in town with her family. And we were able to, uh, her and I go and have dinner. It was so much fun. You know, there are some people that it's always just super easy. Like the, the, the chemistry is always right. And it's very easy to just talk and laugh. And those are the kind of people that you should always stay in contact in with your life, no matter how far apart you guys get. Um, it was so, so wonderful. Just like right away. It's just laughs and jokes and stupidness and, and, and you know, serious conversation too. All the things you want in a conversation. You know, it's I had some other friends that I went to high school with that I, you know, I had a falling out with and then I kind of started to rekindle something and then, you know, it, one of them proved to be a, still just a real selfish person. So I, nope, I'm not having any part of that. But part of the disappointment in, in that relationship falling apart was one, just like, okay, you know, I had love for you. I think of you and treated you as family. And then for you to do this, it's it's shitty. But the other part of it is there's a really comforting feeling about if you have a long history with somebody, especially if they were from uh, childhood, adolescence, you know, uh, preteen or teen years. And then you guys are older, but you can still be there in each other's lives in a, in a positive way. There's a really comforting feeling. It's like, you know, if you're you know, robbed a bank with somebody and years later you guys are still buddies or if you, you know, were, went through something crazy or scary or whatever with somebody and then afterwards you guys are like, you know, you're, it, it's a close bond. So it's disappointing when that stuff doesn't work out. So part of the enjoyment or thrill of, you know, hanging out with my friend last night is that you get to, you know, we went through so much as kids and now as adults, we both have kids and, you know, so there's a, like a depth to the connection there, which is exciting. It was so much fun. And, uh, we went to Dukes in Malibu. And one of the best things about Dukes in Malibu is the lava flow. It's a drink. It's like a big drink full of sugar, like coconut, strawberry, something or other with alcohol. I, maybe it's rum. I have no idea what's in it, but it's so good. I didn't want to order one. I got there before her and I sat down. I didn't want to order one and like have her walk in. And I'm already like, ah. so I waited. And then when she got there, she sat down and the server came by and she asked, you know, what we can get in. My friend was like, can I get a lava flow? I was like, fucking A. Yeah, two lava flows. It is one of the most delicious drinks. Like, I don't really drink sugar drinks. You know, when I if I drink, I don't drink much. But if I drink, I usually, you know, it's scotch or vodka soda or something like that. Um, but this drink is an exception. And it is exceptional. I remember the first time I had one, oh, so my years back, I mean, a long time ago, a group of friends and I, I don't remember, maybe we got this from somewhere else. I don't know. But we started this holiday called Leisure Wednesday. And it was like the third Wednesday of every June or something like that. Uh, we were going to take off. 
everybody at their respective works. We're going to take off work and you just sit and don't do a damn thing. You just lounge, whether that's going somewhere and lounge, but there's no work and very little effort. You shouldn't have to put on much clothes, you know, uh, something flowy linen, you know, shorts, sandals. You got to look like a real dick. If you're a lady and you want to wear, you know, that's sundress time or that's uh, whatever, sweats in the house time when it's hot outside, but you get the air conditioning on inside, like that type of thing. Napping in the, in the early afternoon, you know, like a one o'clock or a noon nap, 11 a.m. nap because you're just going so hard. So we started this holiday and the first holiday, the first Leisure Wednesday we ever had, we all agreed to do it. I, was, I think I was working at Mercedes at the time. Was I? I don't know. It doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. And there was like, I don't know, seven of us or something like that that were supposed to do it. I was the only one who did it. Like we all agreed to do it. And then I took the day off and I checked it. Hey, how's everybody's Leisure Wednesday? Oh, we're at work. What the shit is that? You know, this is like a something really I would experience all the time. I still do. When people say they're going to do something, I truly believe that that's what's going to happen. Am I naive? Am I, am I gullible? I, like when somebody says, oh yeah, let's do this. I really believe, oh, we're going to do that. Great. Because otherwise, why would you say it? And it's weird for me saying this because like I've grown up around the entertainment industry which is nonstop people saying like, let's do this or we're going to do this and then not doing it. Like literally having no intention of doing it. But I still, even with that, I just, I don't know. I figure like with, I don't, when somebody's like, Hey, we're all accidentally hit the button to stop recording. I'm gonna put this up here. Um, so whatever, I, but I believe it. That we're gonna do it, so it's. I don't know. I like even now. I've had like a handful of friends over the last year, who like I haven't seen in a while, and then they'll contact me, and be like, uh, whatever chit chat, and then I'd like to hang out. Let's hang out, and then I say my next text is, because that's the only way you talk to people. My next text, and I'm not mad at that, by the way. It's fine. The next text is, okay, look, this is my schedule. These, this is, these are the days I have off or times I have off and I'm free. And then no reply. Weeks go by, months, nothing. It's like, motherfucker, it was your idea. You said, let's do something. And I said, great, here's when I can do things. And then you don't even reply. I mean, I'm like four or five examples of this in the last year of my friend. It's so weird. Like why even say it? Why? I don't understand. It just makes you feel good to make the effort, but I don't know that, that insecurity. Like if you don't want to do something, don't don't even bring it up. It's not like I bring it up and then you feel cornered. Like you brought it up. A girl messaged me on Instagram. Uh, I don't know, a few weeks ago or a month ago, two months ago. 10 years ago. And she messaged me, hey, you seem really cool. Let's talk. Okay, great. So we started talking. Nice. And I said, hey, do you want to, would you like to grab 
uh, coffee or whatever I said. She said that's, and she was like really emphatic, you're a genius. It's like, oh, this girl knows how to talk to me. So I said, same thing. Okay, hey, I'm free. You want to grab a drink? It was like on a Thursday. It's like, hey, you want to meet Saturday? I'm also free, you know, in the morning tomorrow. Just let me know what works for you. No pressure. Nothing. Bitch, you messaged me. I didn't reach out to you. What was the point of that? I don't know. Is it, is it the time in the world that people just, they want to say that they're going to do things, but then they don't want to actually, like people are so afraid to interact uh, in person? Is that what it is? I don't know. I don't know. But it's super weird. Even on dating apps, when I was on dating apps, somebody would message me. We'd talk and right away, like, hey, it's glad we matched or we met, or whatever, let's meet and see if we connect. Because this is, this is, you can't, there's nothing here. We're just texting, there's not, you know, and I'm not going to wait around, like, I text, and then an hour later, you're like, yep, or one word, haha. You know, that's bullshit, too. So, hey, let's meet tomorrow, or today, or whatever. Nothing. It doesn't make any sense. Those dating apps are fucking gross. It's no way to meet somebody anyway. Because, I mean, you're just, it's purely based on appearance. And even if you're reading their bio, it's like, it's nonsense. It, <clears throat> it's more phony than when you meet someone in person and they're pretending to be someone else. But on these apps, the weirdest thing is, one, okay, so I'll preface this by saying, I don't know what guys' profiles are like. Because I'm not there looking for guys. I can just go outside and get a guy if I want one. Um... <laughs> so I'll, as I understand it guys are super gross and it's like not even a, an introduction like if you match there's like not even like a hey how are you it's just immediately with the dick pic like right away which is bananas so um, guys are super gross I get it but a lot of these <laughs> girls profiles or women's profiles it'll say things like impress me that's the whole thing impress me don't just say, or someone, you know, don't just say hi. If you ask me how my weekend was, I'm not going to respond. What the fuck are you saying right now? What is that? That's, that's not even a, who, what, who do you think you are? Like you're like an emperor and somebody has to entertain you? Like, boy, <laughs> dance. It's, but like, if that's your thought process, I mean, I don't know how you're making it through life but it seems like there's like three personalities on these dating apps there's the girl who is copying the kardashian personality the girl copying the um Nicki minaj personality and then like the social justice warrior personality vegan if you are a republican swipe left or which one is yeah left you know, it's crazy. Oh, and then there's like the, like the religious one, the Christian one. I only see it with Christians. I never see like, you know, yay, Jewy stuff or yay, Muslim stuff or yay, you know, Shinto or Buddhist. It's always like Christian, God first, 
you know, whatever. So there's like the moral high ground. <clears throat> and that's it. And like all the pictures, every girl's pictures are the same. It, and what's weird too is there'll be, there's nothing wrong with using anything as like just a, a tool for hookups. If that's what you're doing, it's fine. As long as both people know that's what they're doing. But you'll see like these really super mixed messages of like, uh, you'll see girls literally like just their ass in the picture. And then in the, and then like the next picture is like their tits out and like, or they're in lingerie on their bed. And then in their bio, it says shit like, uh, not here for hookups. I, I'm looking for more than that. It's like, okay, okay. okay. And, and there's no reason why you can't ha- post these pictures, these sexual pictures, and also be only, not interested in hooking up that there's nothing to say that you have to hook up of course however if this is what you're presenting and then this is what you're saying one of them is right or one of them is true and one of them is false so somebody's going to pick one of them and if somebody is interested in hooking up which you know most men are fairly visual and if they see your tits and ass out that's what they're thinking about it, it just it doesn't make any fucking sense it's so ridiculous must be uh six foot and above or five ten and up if you're under five ten swipe left that's the other bizarre thing too is like the these weird requirements you know so it's not about oh do i like this person is this person a good fit it's like no no this person needs to fit into this mold i have in my head that's not even real it's fucking crazy it's so gross um but even there somebody will message me or I would message them. I'm not on these apps anymore. But um, yeah, let's start a conversation. Hey, let's get together. Let's grab a drink. Let's grab food. Let's whatever. Go for a walk. See if we actually, if there's actually anything here. And then nothing. Or you get the, they message, you message back, and then they don't respond ever. It does. It, it is so weird. There seems to be something about it that's just like collecting. I use this, what is it, a, Comparison, metaphor, analogy, I don't know. I use this thing often where I I compare so many of our urges to the way uh, role-playing video games work. In RPGs, the biggest common factor and, and, and reason why they're so successful is this idea of leveling. So you just keep, they call it grinding, where it's like, for example, if I'm trying to increase my strength or charisma or whatever the stats you keep repeating a process whatever it is and then it it'll raise your ability to do those things and you'll get better at them and then you also just like you're collecting numbers you're collecting armor you're collecting oh never with the purpose of enjoying the thing it's just in the pursuit of the next thing so it's just you know it's similar to the way uh belt systems and martial arts work uh not not like traditional belts, but like the new, like American belt systems where there's a belt every three months or a stripe every three months. And the argument is like, oh, well, you constantly have something to work for. Fine. But what happens is you're basically just on a conveyor belt going through and you're, as long as you're there, doesn't matter if you're good or you understand what you're doing, you're going to keep getting those stripes and then the belt after whatever, three stripes, and then you get a belt and then stripe, 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 belt, stripe, stripe, stripe belt. So th- there's no focus on the now of being present and and just existing 
for the the love or pursuit of the the skill or lifestyle. And it seems like these dating apps are very similar to that in which you people are trying to collect like look how many people messaged me and look how many options I have that I'm not going to act on. It's like the cheesecake factory. Hang on, I'm gonna get more coffee. So what did I mean by that? The Cheesecake Factory has this massive menu. It's 82 pages and there's 700 things on every page. So you have option fatigue where there's just so much that you can't make any decision. But you'll look forever and ever and ever. And then you'll end up ordering something that you think sounds right but it's not because you're not basing it on what you feel like you're basing it on like your brain gets in the way of your uh, feelings or intuition and you make these anyway they're super gross it it, it doesn't make any sense but when people you know people say they want to do i just i always assume that that's what they're going to do and that's what we're going to do because why bother saying it just say no or no thank you it you know be an adult about when friends ask me to come out sometimes, if I don't feel like going out, they say, yeah, you want to come over? No, thank you. It's, it's never I'll try. Not never. I mean, it's almost never I'll try. Sometimes I, I do say I'll try, but I really mean to try, but work, you know, or whatever. But then I say, hey, I'm just not feeling up to it, or I have this other engagement. So we're at Duke's, laughing, having a good old time, and uh, and then it... All of a sudden, it's like 10.30, and they are closed. And this <laughs> this fucking, I don't know, maybe it was a busboy. He was young. He was a kid, like 18, maybe 20. Just kept walking every few, every, you know, five minutes. He'd walk past us. It's like this guy obviously has nothing to do. There's nothing going on in this back part of this restaurant. And clearly, the manager or whoever was in charge was like, you need to get those people out of here. But don't be rude. And then he was obviously, you know, he's a kid, so he's not, he doesn't know how to say it. Like, hey, we're closed. Kept walking by. It was so funny. But just a great, a great evening. You know, it's always, I don't go out much. I'm certainly never out past 10. Um, but, you know, the, the restaurant was like, hey, look, we're, we're turning into a pumpkin. You guys, <laughs> you guys have to go. But it was super fun. It was so exciting and, and enjoyable and just a, what a great. And, you know, Malibu's. You know what's weird about Malibu? <clears throat> it's obviously this mega rich area. But you see a lot of like white trash there. It defies all logic and reason. It doesn't make any sense. And I, I, I have never understood it. And I certainly don't understand it now. I'm like... How is, don't these like social, economical classes matter anymore? Don't we have, don't you, hasn't gentrification done enough here? (laughs) So I was at the gas station because I came from work. So I went to the gas station. I needed to change my clothes because I was funky. And uh, a really weird thing happened where there was like this 
white dude, maybe 30 something with an older white guy, maybe 40 or 50 something late forties. And they were both like that. They look like, you know, they're thin wearing like long sleeves and jeans with sandals. And they were like kind of dirty in a pickup, you know, the type. And they were, you know, kind of uh, speedy. Like, you know, when people are on narcotics, like they're, they can't really make like a calm, consistent decision. Like they're a little bit here and then they're like a little bit over here. They're very scattered. <clears throat> and these guys were like that, but they were, this woman was with them. I guess she kept staring at me. So first I thought like, oh shit, she wants to fuck. Um, this beautiful woman. She looked uh, like a Hawaiian Japanese. And she was wearing like an evening dress, like with a giant slit up the side and she had like her makeup done. She did not belong with these guys. And she had like a, a her own car, like a white Mercedes. Not like a newer one, but you know, it's still, it's a Mercedes. That's not, anybody can get a Mercedes. She looked like she had a job and a house. And these other guys live on the beach. Um, but somehow they were together. And she like walked over. She went in to the gas station and then came out and was like like staring at me. I guess I was one of the only other people at the in, at the pumps. So... But then she like went over to the guy and said something and then like walked back to her car. And then the other, the older white trash guy was walking out and he was like, man, I'm fucking up all over the place. Sorry that my phone rang. I forgot to put it on airplane mode. So uh, he comes back, the older white trash guy comes out and he's like, um, I put $3 on your pump. And she's like, on number 11? He's like, yeah. And then she's like, okay, well, don't, she's like, wait for me. Don't leave without me or don't speed or whatever. The two white trash guys get in their pickup and they take off. And then like she quickly, and she's like staring at me again. Cause she's right next to me at the pump. She's like, like really awkwardly, not, uh, not sexy. Like, like she was worried or something that I saw her. And then she gets in and peels out and goes after them. Something really weird. Maybe they killed her husband or something like that. It was awkward. But you see shit like that in Malibu all the time. I guess it's just because there's the beach. So it attracts a lot of vagrants, I guess. People with not like a lot of stability or structure in their lives that are also into, you know, crime. or I don't know. It's weird. But it's always like that. Like around Santa Monica and Malibu. And there's just like odd. It's such a rich area. It costs so much to be there. And it's side by side with a lot of like dangerous people. It, it's very odd. Super odd. Um, but. Excuse me. We ended up leaving. And uh, it was nice to drive along the coast on my way home. And uh, like I never drive late at night anymore either. Like not 
super late. Like I'll get home around 9 p.m. or something like that. But yeah. So there is, I've been thinking about doing this for a while. Um, where is it? There is a new Tumblr questionnaire I wanted to do. Uh, let me see here. I'm going to blur this out so you can't see my stuff. Um, where is it? I like doing those. They're fun. Oh, there's porn there. So let's see. And it gives me stuff to uh, talk about that I maybe wouldn't have thought of. So I'm going to do that. Um, let's find these motherfucking questions. Obviously, I prepare a lot for these shows. I think about it beforehand. And I get all my notes in order. Okay. So, let's dive right in. I don't know. Okay. So, I don't know if these questions are any good. I just found these things. Somebody uh, reblogged it and I saw it. Okay, there are 40 questions. Talk about the first time you watched your favorite movie. What? Okay, well, here, here's an interesting... Do people... Do, do you guys remember the first time you did your favorite thing? I don't. Like, one, I don't have one favorite movie. I have many favorite movies, but I, there's very few instances that I, I don't know. Oh, let me check the camera real quick. All right. I think we're still good. <clears throat> um, I don't know. I, 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 like I'll hear people say like they remember the first time they ate this or that. But it's not a weird thing. It's something you could eat all the time. I don't know. My brain doesn't work like that, I guess. Well, here, let's do this. Um, I remember the first, like one of my favorite movies is the 1989 Batman, the Tim Burton Batman with Michael Keaton. I saw it in the theater. I think my grandmother took me. And in 1989, when that movie was about to come out, you couldn't go anywhere without seeing the bat signal. Like it was everywhere. It was a movement. There was no internet at this time. So you would like see something on a magazine or in the paper or on uh, like a, a TV, like uh, what are like those entertainment shows? I don't remember what they had in the 80s, but um, went to the theater and there was like, you know what? Maybe I'm thinking of the time I saw Batman Returns. Maybe I'm, I might be mixing these up. Whatever. I'm just going to go with it. You don't know the difference. So go to the theater and there's a line around the theater. At this time I was living in like Canoga Park. So the nearest theater was in West Hills. That, that, yeah, there was like a theater in West Hills 
and then a theater in Woodland Hills, the UA, but I don't think the UA was playing it. Whatever. I don't remember. <laughs> it's a good story, right? But uh, I just remember being so excited. And that was like the feeling of going to an event. You know the feeling you have when you're going when you go to a concert or um, a, a, a big play or something like that? And there's like a feeling of, oh, this is a different experience. I'm not just going about my day and doing a random thing. And it was at night and the line was around the building. And I remember I saw a couple of my friends there and they were like kind of ahead in line. And I went up to them and they didn't offer to like let us stand with them. So we had to go to the back. Um, but just in the theater being just completely just having this movie just completely wash over me and I could feel it shaping me as it was happening. And then, yeah, I mean, my entire life, I mean, I was, I read a little bit of Batman comics prior to that. I was young. Um, you know, it was whatever, seven. <clears throat> but uh, after that, it was over. It was over. And then just, you know, whatever, two years later or three years later, the, uh, the animated series came out. And then it was really just, there was no, the Batman and X-Men were everything for me as a kid. I was reading other comics too, but Batman and X-Men. And that, that X-Men animated series was great too. Talk about your first kiss. Hmm. Okay, so I, I'm pretty sure I kissed a girl in like first grade. I went to, this is when I was living with my dad. Because I, uh, after custody battle, I was living with my mom from second grade on. So prior to that, I was living with my dad in Ontario. And my sister as well. I went to this school that had like a, Educated Unlimited was what it was called. It had like an upper yard and then a lower yard that was really big. In my mind, it was like the size of a football field. It probably wasn't. Um, and there was like these tires <laughs> to play in. And there were these tires that were like bolted together in a shape of a cube. And so I kind of remember sitting in one of those tires with this girl. I want to say her name started with an S, but I don't remember. And I think we kissed. Man, I don't know. But then we can fast forward to, uh, I guess it was junior high. Is it junior high? end of junior high or maybe a freshman in high school a girl who was a friend of mine was she my first kiss man drugs are bad i think that was it um and maybe we were like at a park or something talking and then you know that that you know beautiful it's one of my favorite feelings in the world when you're when you like someone so much and they like you and you guys are just talking and there's just this really thick, um, it's like simultaneously pulling you together and repelling you, like not repulsive, like not, but it's like push, it's like that feeling of magnets when you put the same side, the same polarity of magnet sides together and they push away, but you're pushing them in. It's like that feeling when you're about to kiss somebody and it's everything goes away outside of 
you and that person. Like you can't even hear other shit. I love that feeling. It's a great and beautiful feeling. Um, yeah. So it was like that. And then we kiss. Uh, talk about the person you've had the most intense romantic feelings for. I don't, I don't know if I'm going to get through all of these, but whatever. Uh, talk about the person you've had the most intense romantic feelings for. I don't know. I mean, everybody I've been in love with, I, I go in all the way. Like I don't, if I really, really like you. Um, my last girlfriend was, it was super intense. Um, fortunately also really awful and abusive. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, if I'm in love, then that's it. Like I, I'm all about that person. So I, I don't, yeah. I mean, and I, I can't distinguish between one or the other. You know, my girlfriend in high school and my last girlfriend and every, you know, any serious relationship I had in between were all super intense and romantic and important in their own way. But I, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't rate them. You know what I mean? Like they're all, they were, they're all their separate entity. I don't know. There's, I don't, that's weird to the most intense from it. I don't know. Talk about the thing you regret most so far. I don't know if I have regrets. Regrets. No regrets. Um, there are things like, man, I wish, you know, not I wish, but like if I had, known the things I know now, I would have done things differently, but I wouldn't have known, I, I wouldn't know these things if I hadn't done those things. I know that's <laughs> very vague. Um, for example, like how I uh, left my ex-wife, like had I known that how miserable I was and that I should leave or that I could leave, I would have, and had I been strong enough at the time to just communicate that earlier I would have done that but I wasn't so I don't know I, the regret thing is I don't know even with you know looking back I go, oh you know it would have been better if I had made an effort in school or um, you know shit like that but all of those things inform me to this very second even to the end of this next sentence so, uh, no regrets. Talk about the best birthday you've had. I've had some fun birthdays for sure. I remember when I, in high school, I went out uh, with my girlfriend at the time. We went to dinner or something like that, and she had arranged this surprise party. When I came back, like all the lights in my house were off, and then I get, I see like one of my friends <laughs> hogtied on the floor in a toga. And then, like, I get rushed by all my other friends, and then, like, they, like, took my clothes off and put a toga on me or something like that. That was fun. I, I don't like surprises, but that was fun. Honestly, my last birthday was the best. My birthdays now are, like, so my last birthday, I picked my son up. We, I made him lunch. We ate lunch. We took a, he took a nap on my chest. I took a nap with him. And then we went and saw a movie. And then I think he got picked up and then I went to work. That was a good birthday. I'm not, um, birthdays don't really matter for me. 
it's not that I don't like, I love being with friends and I love laughing and that, that's everything I like. Um, but the celebrating a birthday, I don't know, it's never really mattered to me. I don't get upset if nothing happens for my birthday. It doesn't matter. I mean, I'm, yeah. Um, talk about the worst birthday you've had. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Cause again, like they don't, they're not, it's not, it's not important to me. If anytime somebody wants to, let's get together and celebrate, I'm down. I love it. Like, not just for my birthday, but anytime. So I don't know, the birthday, I, just, I have no, you know what? My third grade birthday, how old are you in third grade? Seven? That was a great birthday. Uh, my mom took, it was like me, my sister, my friend Brandon, I think my friend Nick, different, uh, this other Nick, uh, my friend Jennifer Wheat, she was like my first crush, my third grade teacher who I also had a crush on, she was like actually my first crush probably, uh, Miss Fuentes. We all went to the, the Fallbrook Mall and went to the, they had an arcade there called Tilt. What was it Goldmine? Goldmine was at the other mall. I think it was Tilt. There were two arcades where I grew up. I think it was Tilt. And uh, she, she gave us each, you know, probably, was like, I don't know, probably 20 bucks or something like that in quarters. We played video games. We went and saw Hook. Uh, and then we went to Baskin Robbins. I, th I'm, I think that was, if I'm remembering correctly, that was a great birthday. The worst birthday? I don't know. Uh, talk about your biggest insecurity. Um, I think... I don't know. Um, I certainly... I've always had, and I, it's something I'm now working through, but, and I'm not saying this as uh, to be self-deprecating or anything like that. Um, for my entire life, I've never felt or thought, or truly felt, I've never felt that anyone gave a shit about me. I don't know if that's an insecurity, um, but it's certainly a very real feeling I've had for my entire life. <clears throat> I mean, forever, so ever since I can remember. There's no time in my life, even my earliest memories, where that wasn't the the floor of my self, my feelings, my, yeah. Um, you know, I don't exist. Talk about the thing you were most proud of. My son, clearly. The, everything else pales in comparison. Anything I've done, accomplishments I've made uh, financially, creatively, um, whatever, anything, Everything is irrelevant next to my son. He's the greatest thing of all time. Talk about little things on your body that you like the most. Penis joke. Little things on your body. Um, I don't know. I like my... I don't know. I like my body. Right now, I'm carrying a little too much fat, and I don't like that. But aside from that... Everything is fine. Like I, you know, I I'm strong. I everything is the shapes of things I like and I'm happy with proportions and everything. So I don't know. Talk about the biggest fight you've ever had. Like a physical fight? 
Uh, these questions are kind of weird. I'm going to make this the last one, and then maybe I'll get to the other ones another time. Because uh, these questions are... I don't know. Talk about the biggest fight you've ever had. Uh, like a, a fist fight or whatever. I mean, I've been in crazy fights. I've been in fights like... You know, with multiple people, I've been stabbed. I've been in other fights where knives came out. I had guns pulled on me. I, I don't know. Um, I'll tell you a crazy fight. I was... Um, a long time ago, I used to do... Uh, like, before I started doing private security stuff, like um, private... Uh, I was doing loss prevention. And, uh, like any store I would go, you know, like plain clothes, I'm just in a store and when people steal shit and they go outside, you know, it's not stealing until you go outside just as a heads up. Uh, and then I would go get them. And most of the, all my stores were like kind of in the hood, uh, anywhere that I went and there were no cameras. So I'd have to be there. It was, you know, very exciting in that, like I got to develop really crazy skills of like being able to like follow somebody without being seen and, uh, a lot of fighting, um, but just, you know, negotiating skills and be able to talk people down so it didn't escalate or if it escalated immediately, being able to deal with that and chasing motherfuckers through traffic. And it was wild. But um, one time I was in, uh, I think, Granada Hills. And I see this, I'm watching this group. So groups are usually professionals, you know, people who do this for a living. That's They go in, they you know grab a ton of shit. And they go out and they're very fast. Groups are fast. But I could tell these people, they were adults, you know, I don't know, in their 30s. Um, I could tell that they wanted to do it, but they were not good. Or maybe they were new. They were taking a long time and you could feel their tension. But I was watching them. It was slow. I was bored. And I was just like, oh, fuck. And they're kind of looking at me. So maybe I kind of burned myself. I don't know. And I just happened. I'm like in the middle of these clothing racks. No, I'm just, you know, in, in an aisle. I'm not like duck down, hiding in the middle of them. And I see this guy like two or three aisles ahead of me. And he's literally like got his shoulders back. His, you know, bad. And he's like literally darting from left to right. He's sweating. This big, heavy guy. I think it was, was he Dominican or Puerto Rican? It doesn't matter. I'm just painting a picture for you. Like a heavy set dude in his mid thirties. I was uh, early twenties at the time. And he, uh, I could see like he's, and he's wearing like this big sweater. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm in. All right, I'll just go, I'll get this guy. It's going to be very easy. So I duck down and I look through the thing and he like is like taking clothes and <laughs> stuffing them in his pants. I'm like, okay, great. With that stuff, you, you need to see them do it. You can't have a hunch. Because if you're wrong and you stop them outside, they can sue you. So it's just a liability issue. So anyway, um, I had really long hair at this time too, but it was in a ponytail. And he stuffs it in and then he goes to walk out. So I'm like, all right, I'm just going to go get this guy. So I put, I had a little badge. I put it on my belt so I wouldn't have to hold it because they just looked like, ah, hey, he might, I don't know. He's a big dude, like way bigger than me. And, uh, so he goes out and I like crawl through the racks, like like duck down and I like bust through the last one and I go out and I didn't think it was going to be crazy. 
and I, I'm kind of like, I'm not directly behind him. Um, you know, if a couple things, you know, if you go to approach somebody and you're directly behind them, one thing you never want to do is like grab their shoulder and turn them around. Cause that's the easiest way to get knocked out. Cause as they're spinning, we'll just knock you out. Um, so I kind of like went a little bit like flank and I identify myself verbally, point to my badge, say, I need to talk to you. And he just, we're close at this point, And he just fucking starts swinging hard. And uh, I mean, he's got like, at this time, like 60 pounds on me. And you know, he's a few inches taller than me. And he's just fucking swinging. And I duck under, I don't know, I grab him. And as I pull him in, I'm trying to go for like a clinch. And uh, I, I don't know, he like slipped or something. And I end up grabbing the back of his shirt. And he backs out of it. So now he's got no shirt. Great big dude, like a heavy set guy. I throw his shirt down. I go to grab him. He starts swinging. I block. I think like maybe I can like headbutt him or something. I don't know. And then the next thing I know, like we're at his car. Oh, no, no, no. He, he broke away from me. That's what it was. He broke away from me. And because uh, you know, I had nothing to grab onto anymore. He's so slippery, big, sweaty, fat dude. And he slips and he goes to his car. And uh, he opens the door. And it's the only time in my life. And we're, so we're like in the parking lot now. There's a big crowd gathering. And the only time in my life I've ever used a skip sidekick. In all the fights I've been into, it, you know, it's not a move you ever really use. It's like some bullshit like karate sparring move that people use a lot in like point fighting. That It's effective for there. Not terribly effective for street fighting. Skip sidekick is like, I don't know if I can even show you. But like a skip move is when you kind of like shuffle like that. And as you do it, you... You throw a sidekick. So he gets in his car, and as he's closing the door, like he's going to slam the door, and I fucking, <laughs> I like skip and sidekick the door back open. It was baller. It was amazing. The door flies out of his hand, and uh, I get in the car with him because he's, he's trying to start the car. I get in the car with him. He starts it. And puts it in reverse. And I'm like half hanging out of the car. I'm like, oh, fuck. He's going to drag me through this parking lot. So I slam it back and park. And we're like, he's like throwing punches and shit at the same time. And he went and grabbed this big um, magnet remover. It, it's like, you know, the the security magnets on clothes. Um, you know, that thing you see at the store to remove it. It's like a big, giant, heavy-ass magnet. Well, he had one like in his car he was going to use. And he grabbed that and he went to hit me with it. And so I'm like pinning his hand down. And I'm like kind of elbowing him a little bit. And like digging into his body. I don't want to like hit his face too much. And uh, he drops it. And then he goes to start the car again. And it fucking starts. And I'm like, oh shit. So I grab his hand. And I turn it more. And then, like, it's, it's all very chaotic. And I'm turning it more to blow the ignition. And his car stalls out, I guess. And then we're fighting. And I'm like hitting him in the belly and he's trying to hit me in the head and I take my forearm and I shove it up under his uh, his chin or his, his uh, throat rat into his throat rat and I'm choking him and he's like turning purple and he's gasping and then he finally like gives up and he's like okay 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 so at this point like my hair is fucking all like it's all down his shirt's off my fucking clothes are ripped I grab him I'm like you need to get out right now I'm like get out motherfucker and I pull him by the hair and the arm. And like we're like, there's another, there's like a van right next to us too. So it's not like there's space here. I pull him out, slam him into the van. 
throw the cuffs on behind his back. And the other, like, a few days or like a week prior, I just happened to be watching Cops. It's entertaining. And I saw a cop do this move where after he cuffed him behind his back, he did like a like a half Nelson to the arm, you know? So if you're behind like this and you kind of hook under, it was like a, like a overhook. And so you, you end up bent over like this with the arms raised up. So I did that. And it worked like gangbusters. I was like, oh, shit. Thanks, cops. And uh, huge crowd. Everybody from the store is out. Every, all the other stores are out. Drag, I'm walking them into the parking lot or in, back into the store because the office in the back, like the manager's office, I would use to write my reports, police reports and stuff, wait for the cops to pick them up. And uh, at that place, there was like, you have to walk all the way through the store. And then there was a, like one of those bar push doors. There was a handle door and then you go down the hallway and then there was a bar push door with like a little window in it. And as we're going, his head is kind of down low. And I, this, I mean, it's a dick move, but I was so fucking upset. I like slam his head <laughs> into the door to open it and uh, throw him down in the chair. I <clears throat> start writing a report. And then like he kind of like, eventually calmed down he apologized like i yeah okay um and i told him like hey man like you didn't even take that much i would have i would have just written this report and let you go like the dollar amount was low you didn't need to fight the only reason you're going to jail is because you fought like it was so unnecessary man um the cops came and took him and then like a few months later i saw him at another store he was with his wife he came up to me and i was like oh all right i'm ready to fight and he apologized. He's like, I'm sorry. I'm here with my wife. And I was like, all right, man. I have so many crazy stories like that. I mean, I got knives pulled on me in that job. You know, the guy I replaced got shot or like the gun came out and it went through his jacket like it didn't hit him. But yeah, anyway, so that was a big fight. Uh, verbal fights, yeah, a bunch. Because, you know, my type previous relationship had been fucking insane women. Um, but yeah crazy fight really crazy fight <laughs> talk about the best dream you've ever had i don't know who remembers that talk about the worst dream no worst dreams i've had a ton of terrible dreams you know i'm going through a lot uh you know like while i was married like most of my dreams you know 90 percent of them were just horrific uh like torture and mutilation dreams it's just awful like really really bad stuff um which is obviously a bad sign all right i'll do one more talk about the uh first time you had sex or if you haven't had sex how you imagine your first time the first time i had sex was actually great uh it was with my first real girlfriend and uh, i had done a little bit before um like everything but sex and um it was great. It was at my house. Like I had some friends over and after they left, uh, in my bed, in my room, it was great. It was nice. It was, yeah, it was great. Nothing. I'm, I'm, you know, so many people's first times are really bad, uh, at least where I grew up. So it, it, it was great. I'm glad I had a decent, I was for sure too young. Uh, you shouldn't be having sex at whatever I was 13 or something like that. It's too young. Maybe I was 12. Who the fuck? I think I was 13. Um, which means like everything else I was doing prior to that was 11 or 12. It's too young. It's too young. Yeah. I don't know. 
you know, I don't know what the right age is. Um, but it's definitely not 13. It's too young. But thankfully, it was, it was a very nice, uh, non-traumatic thing. So it was, it was good. So I'm happy about it. And it was with, you know, the, the, my girlfriend. I was, so it wasn't like, um, you know, it was someone I could, st- you know, be with. You know, so there was like a stability there for at least for a little while. So it was good. All right. You know, something I, I wanted, I've been thinking about a lot and I wanted to talk about was, um, I don't know if you guys know about, you know, I listen to a lot of like black metal and things like that. And uh, the history of black metal is insane, like really insane. But there was, I'm going to read, I'm going to find a story and read it because I don't want to get it wrong. And it's more bananas than my little brain can remember. Um, but there was this band, uh, hold on. Um, called Burzum. This is like early nineties. And, uh, there's a, uh, there's a documentary on this. I saw years back. Um, I forgot what it's called. Damn it, aren't I good at this? Um, what is it called? It's called Until the Light Takes Us. That's what it's called. You should watch that. It's crazy. Um, but let me see if I can read a story to close this out, to leave you guys with something super positive. Um, yeah, and... and, and Honestly, like that whole group is crazy. You know, there's like Nazis. I didn't know at the time, but, um, you know, black metal, like they were like burning churches and, uh, you know, murdering each other. Um, black metal murders. So, okay. So let me read this one. This is so bananas. Um, it, it's so fucking bananas. So I, I haven't read this particular thing, but I'm, I'm guessing it's, it covers the, the best parts, the craziest parts. Okay. So on August 10th, 1993, Burzum mastermind Varg, the Kernis traveled from Bergen to Oslo to meet Mayhem, the guitarist, oh, to, to meet Mayhem guitarist, Oystein Euronymous Arseth, Euronymous is. What would ensue that night would become the most discussed, debated, interpreted, and infamous crime in the history of black metal. A confrontation occurred in the apartment of Euronymous, resulting in Verkanus brutally murdering Asareth. I hate when they... This is written oddly. By stabbing him a total of 23 times. Two to the head, five to the neck, and 16 to the back. Which means at some point, he turned to run, and he got hit in the back, and then fell down, and he kept hitting him. Which is... Terrific. The true nature of the murder has been variously described as a power struggle between rival leaders of a satanic circle, a conflict over a girl's affection, or a dispute over a record contract. Um, Virkinus himself contends that Arseth planned to kill him and that he was striking first in self-defense. That's not what self-defense is. 
On the night of the murder, Birkinus claims he intended to hand Arseth a signed contract and tell him to fuck off, but that Arseth attacked him first. Oh, that is. Additionally, Birkinus, Ver, Vikernes, Vikernes, Vikernes? Norwegian names are difficult for Americans to pronounce. I apologize. Uh, defends that most of Arthas' cut wounds were caused by broken glass he had fallen on during the struggle, rather than multiple stab wounds. After the slaying, the Kernis drove to a nearby lake to dispose of his bloodied clothes before returning to Bergen. The Kernis was sentenced to 21 years in prison, the maximum sentence in Norway. The moment the verdict was read... Varg reacted with devious, with a devious and evil grin, an image that has become iconic within metal circles. And if you're watching on YouTube, uh, can I click on this picture? Oh, that's a weird picture. Um, let me just zoom in. I don't know if you can see that. I'll put it right here. Anyway. Um, yeah. So, okay, wait. Where are we at? Uh, so he had an evil grin and it says, uh, Vikernes has offered his side of the story with a lengthy account on his website. Oh, see, so this doesn't cover all the crazy shit. Oh, wait, does it? Hmm. I don't know if this is a good article. Damn it. Okay. According to his friends, uh, the plan was to meet me, knock me out with a stun gun, tie me up and put me in the trunk of a car. He would then drive into the countryside, tie me to a tree, and torture me to death while videotaping everything. My reaction was to, was, to this was naturally anger. What the hell did he think he was? The same day, I decided to drive to Oslo, hand him the signed contract, and tell him to fuck off. Basically, by doing so, take away all the excuses he had to contact me ever again. Euronymous was waiting for me in the entrance, looking very nervous, and I handed him the contract. After a few seconds, he jumped from the floor and dashed for the kitchen. I knew he had a knife lying on the kitchen table, and I figured that if he was going to have a knife, I'm going to have a knife too. I jumped out in front of him and managed to stop him before he got his hands on the kitchen knife. That right there is super suspect. Reaction is slower than action. So this guy took off to the kitchen. There's no way. Yeah. Um... At this point, he had showed his intentions. So when he ran for the bedroom, I figured he was going for another weapon. He had some weeks earlier told some people that he would soon get a shotgun back from the police, used by dead when he shot himself. This was a shotgun that another guy used to shoot himself in the face. He was going to get it back. So I figured that was what he was going for, or he was going for his stun gun. Although he actually didn't have a stun gun or the shotgun in his apartment, I didn't know that. I gave chase, stabbed him, and was a bit surprised when he ran out of the apartment instead. It made no sense to flee. <laughs> what? And it made me angry to know that he had started the fight. But the moment it didn't go his way, he decided to flee instead, instead of fighting like a man. Jesus. Such is always something, wait, such is always something I have disliked strongly. So, I mean, clearly, you know that is often the case with crazy people when they give their account or testimony that like, their explanation of why they did this heinous thing is like, you just hear how crazy they are. I finished him off by thrusting the knife through his skull, through his forehead. And he died instantaneously. The eyes turned around in his head and a moan could be heard as he emptied his lungs. When he died, he fell down to a sitting position, but the knife was stuck in his head. So I held him up as I held onto the knife 
When I jerked the knife from his skull, he fell forward and rolled down a flight of stairs like a sack of potatoes, making enough noise to wake up the whole neighborhood. That's this dude's statement claiming that he's not a murderer. During his time in prison, uh, Vikernes recorded two albums. I can't pronounce those names. Using only a synthesizer as he was refused to access to a guitar, bass, or drum kit. After numerous denials of parole, he was finally granted freedom from prison in 2009 after serving 15 years of his 20 year one, 21 year own term. On the 24th of May 2009, Vikernes was released from prison on probation. Since his release, Varg recorded Bellis, which received mixed reviews from fans and critics. Fallen will be the eighth studio album by Burzum, which is set to be released on March 7th, 2011. So this is an old article. This doesn't cover the weirdest shit, which is, let me see this other thing. Um, Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is how crazy this band was. So, the... Um, the singer of... They talk about that shotgun that that guy, uh, Dead, used to kill himself was the singer for a band called Mayhem. His body was found by Euronymous, who was in uh, Burzum, prior to that was in mayhem when Euronymous found his body of his friend and bandmate that just shot himself with a shotgun he took a picture of it and then he put that picture on a record a mayhem record that they released what the fuck so crazy let's see if there's other crazy shit uh, the suicide of Mayhem vocalist Dead has given rise to some of the black metal scene's darkest legends. <clears throat> he shot himself in the head, having written a suicide note that read simply, Excuse all the blood. Oy. Upon finding his body, bandmate Euronymous made a necklace out of fragments of his skull. Pictured here is Maniac, who replaced Dead. As, oh, who cares about that? Black metal is nuts, man. Um, burning of... Bramundal Church, the burnt remains of the wooden church of Bramundal in Norway. The fire burning was thought to be inspired by fascist ideas being expressed in heavy metal music. Another ugly feature of Norwegian black metal scene was church burning. Over 50 acts of anti-Christian arson were recorded between 92 and 96. Aside from the scene ringleader, Varg Vikernes, the dude from Burzum, those convicted of church burning included Samoth and Faust of the band Emperor. Here's the thing. I mean, obviously it's not It's not great to do arson, obviously. You know, Christianity in Norway, well, anywhere Christianity is, it's there because it came in and destroyed the culture that was there before it. Raped and murdered, committed genocide, and, and gentrified their culture, whitewashed their culture. So, you know, uh, the Norwegian countries had their own religions, their own cultures, so these churches in these places are essentially monuments to uh, genocide or, or, or rape of their culture. So it, it, it makes sense that they're angry, of course. Oh yeah, Count Grishnak. The coolest thing about black metal is all these crazy names. The notorious 
Uh, Norwegian black metal scene returned to the headlines recently. Varg Vikernes, infamous frontman of Norwegian black metalers Burzum and convicted murderer, is set to be released from prison after serving 16 of a 21-year sentence. Oh. Okay, we already read that. Um... Okay, this is not interesting. Emperor, some of the bands... The makeup is so silly. Some of the bands implicated in black metal's darkest years of life. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, this is shitty, too. I'm going to end this on a real bad note. Sorry, guys. I didn't. Uh, I was just expecting to tell a really crazy story, but now we're here. Uh, some of the bands implicated in black metal's darkest chapter are still alive today, most notably Emperor, whose, drummers, who, whose drummer Faust was recently released from prison after serving 14 years for the fatal stabbing of a homosexual man in Lillehammer, Norway, on the 21st of August in 92. Um, Faust is no longer in the band, but guitarist Samoth was jailed in 94 for burning a church. Like, that's how fucking nuts these guys were. They keep using this sentence. The Norwegian black metal scene of the early 90s is regarded as the darkest, most sinister chapter in music history. Under the influence of a toxic combination of Satanism, far-right politics, and pagan mysticism, a small... What is that word? Cotier? Co... What is this? Co... Codier. A small group of people with shared interests or tastes, especially one that is exclusive of other people. Huh. It's like a click. Um... Yeah, so just saying that, you know, many people in the industry all kind of led by that guy, Vicurinus of Burzum. You know, there's suicide and murder and arson. It's really insane. You should, guys, we should watch that um, Until the Light Takes Us. It is chilling. I think there's another one. Um, there's another black metal documentary. Uh, there's, so there's until the light take us, takes us. I thought there was another one. Hmm. Maybe not. Well, until the light takes us, it's crazy. Um, it'll describe way more than that mediocre story I just read. Uh, but so insane. You know, I actually didn't know about like the, uh, homophobic and, and far right and, uh, Nazi stuff in black metal. Um, uh, lyrically, so much of it is about, like, in the shadows, the dragon. You know what I mean? Like, it's uh, semi-innocuous in that respect. Um, but I didn't know that. So that's going to, for sure, influence uh, some of my listening in the future, who I listen to and stuff. I hope Wolves in the Throne Room doesn't have any of that shit, because I like them. <laughs> but anyway, some pretty crazy stuff, guys. Pretty, pretty, pretty crazy. And on that note, don't forget to uh, rate and review on iTunes, like, subscribe on YouTube, follow me on Instagram at Instagram Baker, Twitter at Graham Baker, uh, Instagram at Greyhouse Music. Order my record, again, Violently Sleeping, uh, Greyhouse. It's available for pre-order on iTunes and Bandcamp now. The links are in the description. If you're going to shop on Amazon, go to my website, GrahamBaker.com, scroll to the bottom, click on that Amazon banner, do your shopping as you would. Um, yeah, that's it. I'm out. Love you guys. Peace.